0: Yeah,
1: definitely two movies that make us ask, um, what is a man?
0: Yeah. Why is it? You know? (laughs) (laughs) What's in a man? (laughs) I guess another man, or in this case, a girl. I don't know.
1: Hey, y'all, and welcome to episode two of I'll Show You Mine, a weekly podcast where Two Pals Talk About Movies, Rom-Coms, and Horror Movies. And um, I am Kelly. And I'm Olivia. And this week's episode, Brethren, is about rom-coms and iconic comedy. She's the man. And the horror film Men. So, um, real quick up at the top. Yes, we noticed that last week we did say... The order of
0: the <laughs> president's wrong. Listen, we have liberal arts degrees. Okay. I do have a history degree. Well, shit. Okay. We're <laughs> doing our best. That was like 10, 12 years ago. That was a while ago. Yeah.
1: That was a while ago. And also, what did Gerald Ford do, really? <laughs>
0: exactly. Exactly. And
1: like I told Olivia the other day, it doesn't matter because every president is a war criminal. So it's okay if Yeah, right
0: yeah who cares about the order of them
1: yeah 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 okay so this week though we are talking all about men or maybe not men um we'll get into it um so first we're gonna dive into the the meteor conversation <laughs> perhaps um the conversation that has a little more caves, a little more. Ugh slits
0: I knew you were gonna say slits I knew you were gonna say it (laughs) so
1: first let's talk about men so Olivia had you seen men before
0: no I had not so I knew that you had seen it and you had told me about it because uh typically what happens is when Kelly watches a movie that they're pretty confident I'm not gonna watch um they will ask me can i tell you the the plot of the movie and so i knew some pieces and of course like was given some content warnings for for different things in the movie but i had not watched it and i watched it yesterday in the daylight cuz i'm a baby and couldn't do it and it was it was a movie it it happened i watched it <laughs> and you've watched it just once right
1: yes before I yesterday did yes i watched it once it was available like on streaming last year um i watched it and honestly hated it i liked it up until the last kind of act of the film the last like 20 30 minutes i was like i'm over it and by the end of the movie i just felt frustrated and uncomfortable and icky um yeah yeah and I had a I had a surprisingly different experience watching it yesterday I was still uncomfortable that part was still true um but (laughs) I had kind of a different experience watching it this time dug a little more into what the hell some of the stuff was in this movie and what it might have meant and um yeah so I'm excited to get into it um First, what was what was just kind of like your general feeling going in, like once the movie started and you started kind of like getting into it, how did it make you feel?
0: Uh, okay, well, I knew just from the description, which the movie's based on this woman who has experienced something really traumatic and is going to the countryside to get away and be by herself for like, I guess a week or something. So um, that's really all I knew going into it. And the whole, probably the movie is an hour and 40 minutes. And I would say an hour and 15 minutes, I felt sick to my stomach and it felt like I was so clenched up that I could have shit out of Pearl. Like I was so uncomfortable and felt like flustered the whole time. And cause it's one of those movies that there is not a lot of dialogue for some chunks of the movie. And they just rely on the visual elements and hearing like the different music and the score and all of that. And it stressed me out. And so I really did not know Not if I could finish it, but if it was going to take me all day to finish it, because I had to keep (laughs) I had to keep pausing and being like deep breath and then like continue with it because it was so stressful. Um, And then, of course, by the end of it, I was just like, okay, I don't know. I'm not just like with Mother last week, I kind of finished that movie being like. What what was the intention of the plot and did you feel like as the people who created this movie, do you think you delivered on that intention? Because I did not understand the ending. And if I'm honest, I felt like, again, in my opinion, in my opinion, and Kelly might be able to give insight because they did like research on the actual movie and the different uh, like symbolism of things. It just felt like it was one big movie Blaming someone for their own trauma. You know? Um, and again, you might be able to shed light on what some of the the themes were in the movie that left me with those feelings, but that's what I'll say for right now. And I'll get into more in a minute. Okay. What about you?
1: Um, on so that is a really great description of how I felt watching it the first time, honestly. I I also went away from it feeling like, oh, cool. So like this is, this all just goes back to this guilt that she has. And I think part of my problem the first time with the movie was that like, I just wasn't sure if the film was like participating in making her feel like if, if the film thought she should feel guilty, if that makes sense. Like, what is the intention here? Are we supposed to be empathizing with why she might feel guilty or like, yeah. So, um, a couple things about the movie: um, it came out in 2022, so it's still pretty recent. It's an A20 or sorry, A24 film. Um, It is written and directed by Alex Garland, who I didn't realize who he was at first, but apparently he also wrote and directed Ex Machina, um, which is a movie I really enjoy. And he also wrote and directed Annihilation. Well, he adapted it. Um, And then he wrote but not directed 28 Days Later. So I thought that was interesting, the kind of like horror and sci-fi that he tends to participate with Um, also he's kind of hot. So that
0: was, (laughs) I don't know what he looks like.
1: I didn't either. And I pulled up an interview. Um, He's British. I'm going to pull
0: him up while you're talking.
1: I was into it. Yeah. When he was talking, I was like, "He's like a little weirdo. I think I like that.
0: Um, Mm -hmm. And then. (laughs) He, he gives me, he gives me good girl vibes, but it's going to give me the ick. You know what I mean? like he's going to call me a good girl and I'm going to be like no thank you sir I'm just trying to shop at Trader Joe's today I'm not interested in whatever you're you're trying to give me right now could be wrong he could be a lovely man but the google is not uh shedding him in the best light with these photos yeah we'll just say that
1: I also think it's interesting that he has a frequent collaborator named Rob Hardy, who's a cinematographer, and that cinematographer worked on Men, Annihilation, and Ex Machina, um, cool. which I can definitely see like the, the, the way the films are visually and some of the ways that they make me feel, um, I feel like are similar. So yeah, I thought that was kind of interesting. Um, so yeah, the main character, Harper, the one who's going away to, yeah, the English countryside, she's from London, um, her, we find out that her husband, um, after, you know, she wanted to leave him, he hits her, jumps to his death, and so she is spending two weeks in the English countryside, um, and, uh, the only other really character that we have is her best friend, Riley, um, and also... (laughs) a bunch of men who have the same face, and that face is Rory Kinnear, um, who is a, a English actor that I really enjoy. Um, I think it's interesting, in um, that Penny Dreadful show that I really liked, he played Frankenstein's monster.
0: Oh. Well, in our flag means death, uh, he mm-hmm. plays twins, or is he a twin? I don't know. Is he a twin?
1: I don't think he's a twin. I think oh, okay.
0: Twin. He plays twins. Okay. Okay. So, yeah. it uh, That think part interesting
1: that he, like, made yeah. this, like, thing that's like put together and like you know is this like monstrous thing that's like kind of a man but kind of
0: yeah yeah um and one thing i will point out that i texted you about it very early on watching this movie was that there's only what four characters if you don't count the 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 men that all have the same face it's one guy there's like one character yeah there's maybe four characters and the only character who is not white is the husband Mm -hmm. who is abusive Mm -hmm. and his that's into his entire storyline and I remember texting Kelly and was just like I feel like this was not the time to cast someone in this role without any thought process on their race culture any of that because Mm -hmm. it is showing this black man abusing his wife who is a white woman Mm -hmm. and she kicks him out and he has essentially nowhere else to go but it's it puts you in a position as the viewer of like, there's no one else around him who even looks like him or anyone in this. Like, you don't even see passerbys mm-hmm. at any point in the movie. And so it just felt icky. And I did, it really took me out of every single scene you see of like a flashback of them mm-hmm. together. It t- took me out of it because I'm like, why did you have to cast the only person in this movie? who's not white, to be this character. It doesn't matter to me that he might be the best one. there. He's great in the role. Like he, mm. you feel his emotions in it, absolutely. But it's just like, why did that have to be the role that he was in? He could have been anything else. He could have been the other guy, <laughs> you know? Did he get to audition for that? I don't know. But it did. that just really rubbed me the wrong way that this presumably white guy wrote and directed this and was like, this this casting makes perfect sense.
1: Mm-hmm. I didn't like that. I didn't either. And yeah, that actor, um, uh, Papa Esidu, I think is how you say his name. Um, it said he was in that show that I still want to watch, um, I May Destroy You. Oh my
0: God, he's in that? Mm-hmm. Okay, listen, I did watch that once. It is a very intense show. And I definitely think there were scenes that I've had to fast forward because mm-hmm. it was just too much to watch visually. And so now I'm wondering if I did fast forward through some of his scenes because he did look familiar when I was watching it but again I was so taken out of
1: Mm -hmm.
0: the scene whenever he would come on that I couldn't focus on like okay where's this guy from what do I know him in and I didn't want to spoil anything by looking him up on IMDb and it like tell me the whole movie so I didn't do that that makes total sense
1: yeah. And I agree. He was really good in the role. And I think that they did a really great job of showing the escalation of an abusive relationship. Right? Mm-hmm. We know he's controlling, we know they have intense fights and that um it got the most violent when she is leaving, which is the way that it actually happens. Right. And so, you know, she says he's going to leave. He threatens suicide, which is something that abusers will do um, to try to manipulate your behavior. And so you know she reacts the best she can. She tries to reach out to a friend, um, which then makes him even more angry. So of course, the next thing, which I say of course, because like um, as far as like the patterns and abuse, like then he attacks her and um, either, as the movie positions, falls to his death or flings himself to his death. Mm-hmm. Um so I thought that that was done really well um even though it also meant that it was very uncomfortable to watch mm-hmm. those were rough um the color was really amazing um mm-hmm. That's actually uh, one of the things I learned about the film was that there was an intentional color scheme of red and green, um, which I definitely was picking up on. I really liked the colors in this movie. I loved how vibrant all the greens were. I, uh, when we weren't having to watch Rory Kinnear birth himself over and over again, it was kind of beautiful to watch in parts of it.
0: (laughs) Yeah. 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 I, uh, and of course, like, I feel like we're trying to, we're giving you spoilers, but we're not going point by point in the movie so you are going to have to watch the movie if you want to understand what we're saying by he's birthing himself over and over and over again
1: oh yeah for sure this is not um this is a spoilers podcast so we're talking about the movie so yeah if you haven't seen the movie our conversations probably aren't going to make a
0: lot of sense (laughs) yeah
1: um so yeah so harper
0: (laughs) i do have one question before you do that which of the men mm-hmm. did you I don't want to say like the most which of them did you dislike the least because I definitely giggled at one of them a couple of times like genuinely giggled at them
1: so as far as like just how the characters were played I thought yes. Joffrey was funny um like <laughs> there were several times yes. when I said things I was like oh Joffrey you still yes But I also have another answer, which I put in my notes, which was the one in the bar that had the mullet was hot. And
0: I I knew you were going to say that. I knew it. He looks like a freaking lesbian. I knew you were going to say that.
1: The first time I watched the movie, as soon as I saw that one, I'm like, who's this one?
0: I knew it. (laughs) I knew it no Joffrey was definitely my favorite I even wrote down that his little like guffaw that he does is like Mm -hmm. oh yeah no but like British I can't I can't British laugh but that made me cackle and the one scene where you know the beginning he's walking and Joffrey's supposed to be her like Airbnb host essentially Um, and he's showing her all the different places and blah 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 in the house and he's saying that there's a pub right down the street And he says that it's only a 10 minute walk there, but a 30 minute walk back. And then he laughed and I cackled like I (laughs) and I hated that I cackled, but it just made me think of like my older relatives, you know, like my older European relatives that would just say shit like that. And you're just like, what? And then they just laugh at you're like, I guess that was funny, but it did make me genuinely giggle. And so Mm -hmm. I felt like he was the most disarming, at least until the scene when he took her Ford Fiesta
1: he I just know. like yanked her out of the car. You know, he pulled her by her hair too. I was like, Joffrey, not even. No, man. the
0: fuck. Yeah, Um. Mm. so I did really, I guess, enjoy, in quotation marks, him. I felt like that one, I guess, I don't know if he's considered a man. He looked like a boy. Um. The little boy man child gave mm. me very big Colin Robinson vibes from what we do in the oh, shadows when God. he's like yes. regenerating yes when he took that little mask off I was like Colin Robinson is that <laughs> you like what is happening right now yeah very strange
1: and isn't it interesting too that he was wearing a mask of a woman's face yeah I don't I don't know what that is I don't
0: know what that I don't, was what happened, I don't I either was weird yeah very strange yeah very strange
1: also if some child is looking at me with a mask like that I'm walking in the other direction I'm
0: popping them right in the face
1: yeah I'm no like, I'm not engaging with you scary child
0: yeah for all I know you're just a really small adult yeah you know trying to creep me out and especially if you're gonna call me a fucking bitch Seriously. which is what that kid said at the end whenever mm-hmm. she would play a game with him and he goes fucking bitch oh it would have been No, right in front of the church. I would have slapped that kid right in the face. Yeah. Absolutely not. Yeah. Fuck that kid. No. Okay. Um, I I just had to know that. I had to know which one you liked.
1: I will have one more shameful note later about how I felt about the different men, um, but I'm going to save it. So I also wanted to just let you know, that is not Rory Kinnear's dick. I did Google it. Um, They were cowards. He was wearing like CGI panties or whatever. And so he had like a CGI dick. Hmm.
0: I just wonder as someone who does not own a penis. I wonder if it's like a a subconscious thing of like, like I don't want someone to judge the size or something you know what I, what I mean
1: to. I mentioned it to Daniel and he's like maybe it was cold on set I
0: was like mm. yeah I mean they kind of gave him like a hog dick you know what I mean, I mean like yeah. it wasn't one that I was like oh that's a member." it wasn't like the show sex life where they had that prosthetic dick on that one guy it was like three feet long like that it wasn't mm-hmm it wasn't like one of those Gumby machines where he's like blowing at a car lot. You know what I'm talking about? It wasn't that big, but it definitely you could see it when he's across the field in yeah. that one
1: scene. You could see when that song.
0: You could see it. And it's just like, well, um, that is an interesting fact because I did wonder, I kind of put that in my notes of like, is this a real dick or is this a fake dick?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I did very quickly Google that. And it, um, cause I always, I always need to know. So, um, Yeah, that is not his penis, um, but we do certainly see it. So one of the men, just to summarize them, we have Joffrey, the like very good man. Um, (laughs) And then we have a scary boy man. Um, We have the vicar who's this scary rapey priest guy. Um, Okay, I'll just go ahead and say it now. Listen, whenever...
0: I just leaned in so I could as if I'm like sitting right next to you
1: the entire zoom square is her face Um, so <laughs> look obviously this was not a consensual scene okay I'm only talking aesthetics I know it was not a consensual scene but when he's on his knees in front of her and is like grabbing her dress and then she puts that knife to his chin I was like oh my god I gasped
0: yeah yeah uh, Fleabag really ruined Priest <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, the, yeah. I, I'm sure there were people pre fleabag bag that were like, "Oh yeah, for sure, I'd fuck a priest," and I don't know the difference between a vicar and a priest. Somebody can tell us if they want. I don't. I'm not looking it up. But yeah, I definitely, if I, if you could have like superimposed the the priest from Fleabag into that scene, for sure. Um, and I also did not understand why the a previous scene with the vicar, where like she first meets him and he's saying you know like you seem tormented do you want to talk to me about what's going on and she gets up and leaves because he says some real victim blaming shit towards the end they zoom in on his hand touching the bench where she was sitting and do you notice that he only has like two fingernails on each hand that are long i definitely And the rest are short huh
1: i didn't know the fingernail situation i was too busy watching him finger between those wood planks i literally like typed into my notes he just fingered the bench
0: yeah, I noticed only because I think they zoom in on his hands at another point, and you see it, but it's just his pointer and thumb, which I find very interesting. That's like reverse, it's like reverse lesbian nail care. I know. Um, Not the thumb of the pointer, more the pointer in the middle, but you know what I mean? Like, it was just very, it, it, I couldn't tell if it was intentional, or if that's just what his hands looked like that day, but if you go back and look like he has long nails on two of his nails on both hands.
1: That's fascinating. Which gave me the ick. It scary <laughs> he was like grabbing her face, you know, cause it's like those two fingers. Mm-hmm. like Oh, maybe they were like, we want those to look menacing. Yeah.
0: Speaking of the scene that you just mentioned where he's like down on his knees and she like, you know, mm-hmm. this is later on in the movie. You keep seeing all these different versions of the man coming at her in various ways, and so at one point she locks herself in the bathroom, and the vicar comes in, and um, I guess he's like obsessed with her, and like I don't know. He says at one point that you're like the either the image of carnality or you are the epitome of carnality. So I have that full quote. You have the full quote, okay? (laughs) Would
1: you like me to read it? Okay, so um here it is um so quote I have decided that you are an expert in carnality someone who has explored all the things that they can do and have done in them sorry do to do oh my god and have done to them these things now exist in my mind this is your power this is the control you exert
0: See, and that's the thing that I'm talking about with this theme of, was this, this whole movie felt like to me it was a weird way to be like, well, if you only would have let him apologize, if you only let the people who cause you harm apologize and make up for their mistakes, regardless of what it is that they did to you, then maybe the guilt that you carry, you wouldn't be carrying. Like, you know what I mean? But the scene I'm talking about is that... He kneels down, she puts the knife up to his neck, and then he like stands up with her. And they Kelly's Kelly's smiling at me right now because they know what I'm about to say. So they're in the bathroom. She has the gun, or the gun, she has the knife to his throat. They both kind of stand up. And previously in the movie, another version of him, but still, I guess, his body, she has cut from in between two of his fingers, like all the way up almost to his elbow, and it it's like I don't know how to say this, but it's flappy. It's, I mean, it's Mm -hmm. it's open. And he takes those flaps and puts them on her shoulders like he, it would be as if he was holding her throat, but with these flaps, which felt Mm -hmm. weirdly sexual. Mm -hmm. And this is after he has commented on her pussy as being a cave and a slit. And I'm just like, oh. Yeah, and oh. he
1: said, he said, quote, you are singing to me, to." and he said a few other things, and then he said to dash me to pieces on the rocks of this, these rocks, this cave, this slit.
0: As he's gripping the bottom of her dress where her genitals will be. So all that's happening. And then he's kind of like, so he's got her by the throat. He's kind of leading her to where the bathroom sink is. And there's a mirror behind them. He kind of like puts her up on the bathroom sink and just there's no there's no sexual assault there's none of that but she's got this long like prairie girl dress on and he kind of like gets in between her legs mm-hmm. but her dress is still all the way down and friend it kind of looked like he like thrusted you know what i mean like he kind of like
1: yeah uh, I, he definitely did he definitely like pushed himself up onto her
0: that felt complicated
1: <laughs> it did it did it sure <laughs> that
0: felt and it, the whole time, again, she's got the knife to him. It's not that she's released. It's not one of those weird 1940s movies where she's like, oh, no, I can't. And then they make out. That is not the vibe. Mm-mm. But the the amount of, like, tension in that scene is just, you could scoop it and eat it. It was so thick. Like, it was, huh. It, it was, was something.
1: I put in my notes after the quote I just put oh god and then um but then I put okay his hand killed it um cuz I really hated it yes that. I have a little bit of context and before I provide that context yeah I'll just give because we've been bouncing around this movie is all over the place okay and so that's kind of how this discussion feels because there's just so much going on but yeah basically the main tenets are that after she gets there she is she goes to a cave um a big dark hole if you will and she goes to this place and um you know sings a a, a, a terrifying little little song that becomes part of the score and um so she's she's doing her thing in this cave and then um one of the men appears almost as if the cave birthed him and so I literally put in my notes, I was like, is this cave supposed to be a womb or, <laughs> and so anyways, um, lots of wombs everywhere, lots of slits in this movie. So, <laughs> and so anyways, um, after, so after that, you know, then she's being chased. It, it seems that she is being stalked by, um, the, the naked one, um, who is, uh, I, I'll refer to him as the green man. And then you have, when she goes to town, there's the vicar. And then, yeah, we had Joffrey, scary little boy. And then there's the cop dude who's like, ah, he's not that big of a deal. You're just, it's fine. And then um, you had the mullet one who I thought was underutilized. And then one was Scary Bangs who shouldn't have been there at all. So... <laughs> So all these men, um, they all are doing different things that we can see, um, like in our own lives connected to like misogyny. So, you know, Joffrey kind of is patronizing. Um, he wants to, you know, do things for her. He, even when she like does not want that. So he, he's more just kind of annoying and patronizing. Um, the vicar, um, you know, can represent this like religious, uh oppression of like you know him not only being like sexually disgusting towards her but also like blaming her for her husband's death and then some of the other ones are just kind of like inappropriate uh some of them gaslight her and so it's like all of these men you know are doing the things that she would be experiencing from men um and all of it seems to be Connected to the guilt that she has over whether or not she feels responsible for her husband's death. Um, but I, I think that what we're seeing is her having to face her guilt um, because of this creature that is, I think, a manifestation. Like, I think that we're seeing her have to talk to her guilt, like, and talk to what has been said to her or maybe how she feels people think about what happened. So that's kind of what, that's what I think Mr. Alex was trying to do. Um, But part of how I arrived there was, um, so after, you know, all of these men are kind of closing in on her, um, then she... um, after having to see them in a wild scene of them birthing themselves over and over again that it took a while that was a long scene it was it was too long it was too long
0: i got bored by the time they finally like got to the last one and i was like okay
1: and I kind of wonder if they wanted us to because Harper looks bored. She almost yeah. rolls her eyes. She's like, I'm, I'm over it. She just like walks inside. Um, and so, which eventually then births her husband. And so then we figure out that this weird thing that has been following her um, is essentially some kind of manifestation of the guilt that she feels about her dead husband. The injuries that it experiences from her towards the end or the injuries her husband had. So his you know, arm being ripped open his like ankle being broken he has a wound in his stomach his head's all fucked up um according to this video he watched some of the wounds he has jesus had anyways i'm gonna get to that part later um (laughs) but uh yeah so then she has a conversation with him um and i think that the conversation part is what really left me wanting more um because we got to hear from the husband we got to hear again that to him this violence was him Loving her so much and wanting to be with her so much, which is what abusers say, but like she didn't really say anything back. She just was like, "Okay,"
0: and that's the problem I had ultimately with this movie. Is like I can see how I could see even watching it that that's what this was supposed to be. Was like she had, I as they like to say, to go to get over it, you have to go through it. You know, like you can't you can't process things unless you acknowledge that they're there and as the kids say sit in it and so I get that I completely understand that it just bothered me that at the very last scene like you said when the it's the last manifestation and it's her husband and he sits down and she's like what do you want from me and he says your love and I just Mm -hmm. listen I think that if this movie would have been made by not a white guy Mm -hmm. they would have been able to explore that in a way that made more sense for the viewer, because you and I understand that because the backgrounds that we have Mm -hmm. and the work that we've done and personal experiences, but I just felt like for like a a random person who may stumble upon this movie and want to watch it, I was left with the theme of either she didn't process all of this, or I guess she quote unquote killed him because you see the, where she's like holding the ax still. And it's just like, so what is that supposed to mean then? She has to literally kill him herself to <laughs> process the grief. Like, what the fuck does that mean?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And then the last, they do they do that thing that movies do where they show that scene, it cuts, and you're like, oh, is that the end? And then it shows another scene where her friend shows up at this mm-hmm. Airbnb to check on her, and she sees her just sitting out by, like, the guard. Mm-hmm. And that's the fucking end. Mm-hmm. And it just felt not done. Like y'all put in so much detail in this whole movie for that to then just be like, well, it's up to you. What do you think happened? And it's like, I don't know what the fuck happened because you just showed me a man birthing another man out of his fucking back. Like, what's happening? Between, you can't
1: you twist the shoulders.
0: Yeah, you can't. You could wrap this up for me in even just a little way. Like, I understand the the thing of keeping things vague. I I get it. But sometimes it's like, all right, but the themes that you're exploring, you you owe it to your audience to have a better understanding of what you're trying to say, even if it is a little on the nose. That was just me. That was my opinion. That's kind of how I felt by the time I watched the end of it of like, oh, so this was just um a movie about grief, but you for some reason made it seem like it was a victim blamey movie about grief. Mm-hmm. You know, like I don't how is a white man chasing you throughout the English countryside in different versions of himself, helping you process your grief when they're all trying to kill you. What? Yeah. They're not coming to you. Like um, the angels of Christmas past being like, this is what you did. And we're going to, you know, make these, we're going to show you what you did wrong. Like that, that is not what happened in this movie. In my opinion. I mean, I'm, I'm very curious to see what you found when you were doing like the research on some of the symbolism of things, because you could tell like they were, they were pulling from somewhere, but I was just like, I don't know what we're doing here. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely feel like that his films leave me where like, I kind of almost like take a breath and I'm like, like, Oh, is there not, is that, is that when it ends? Um, Cause that's how I felt at the end of Annihilation and Ex Machina, which I I mean, I do love both of those films, but they both also to me have very abrupt endings. Um, so yeah, I, let's get into some of the like symbolism and stuff that I looked up online um, and see how we feel about that. Um, all right. So I just had um, a few little things I wanted to add that I learned when I was doing some research. So the main thing I'm going to be pulling from is a video on YouTube by The Fake Critic. And the video is called Men, a Grotesque and Entirely Necessary Nightmare Analysis. Well, the video is called Ends with Nightmare, and then it's parentheses analysis. <laughs> um, so in this video, um, he pointed out some stuff that I definitely did not notice. Um So first of all, I didn't know what the green man was. Um, It is a symbol of rebirth and renewal. It's like really, really old pagan imagery that was then incorporated into Christianity. Um, And so that is what we see on that statue in the church, the face that's on the front and then the back has one of those like iconic images of like a woman um, holding open like her vagina, which apparently is like a symbol of fertility, like throughout history. So those two are together. And then the green man that we have is basically him. That's why he's putting those leaves in his skin, which, ew, stop. um, Because he's making himself look like the green man. And so that is the symbol of rebirth. We also have symbols of... um, fertility with um the seeds so i'm so sorry um so the green man he (laughs) like blows those seeds at her and then which i put in my notes i was like great her his seed just got in her mouth because one of them yeah right in her mouth i'm like why um i also thought it was interesting that in the end her best friend is pregnant um Mm -hmm. so there's that and then the other parts of it was the I guess like the some of the religious aspects. So the vicar, um, the, the person in this video, uh, the person who made it had talked about how the vicar had, um, upheld some of the same beliefs that we saw James talk about. Like he mentioned like, well, you can't leave me. Um, you know, we got married in a church. Right. So like he brings up this like religious, you know, um, bullshit as to why she should have to stay with him, which the vicar then repeats. And when the vicar is telling her this and making her feel like shit, there's this like fallen cross behind him. It's like knocked over on the ground. And then apparently James's injury, some of them mimic the injuries that like Jesus had. And so the video was just talking about like the fall of man, how that's often like, you know, blamed on like Eve and like Lilith and like these women whose like independence or knowledge like, you know, caused a fall of man. And so the he talked about how he thinks that the movie is exploring the ways in which Harper is having to like physically like fight against like these different representations of like gendered oppression, whether it's like through religion um or like the kinds of gendered violence that we experience. And then the colors of red are uh, used the most in the film when these things are, like, at their worst. So, like, when James dies, um, whenever, you know, she's she's in rooms that have read when some of the more um, horrible things happen. Um, and so, apparently, in the specific kind of Bible, it's called... i can't it's like oh it's this like specific red bible it's a version of the king james bible um that the the cover itself is red and then inside like the words of like god and jesus i think are in red font so anyways this guy in the video wondered if maybe like the colors of red are representing like either the words or actions of men um that
0: cause harm to women interesting interesting I just don't understand why men feel the need to make films about the violence that women experience and probably don't have a lot of women involved in the process of making this. Yeah, You know, like again, even thinking back to mother, like Mm -hmm. you're, whether they got together the director and Jennifer Lawrence when the filming already started or not, It just feels weird that you are exerting this, you are in charge of exerting this, whether controlled violence or not, in in the terms of a movie set, you are the person putting this violence upon the person that you're dating. And so I don't know. And maybe there's interviews out there where the director of men has talked about maybe his own experiences with women in his life who've experienced violence or whatever. I don't know. But it's just like, did you need to be the person to make this film? (laughs) Yeah. Or could you instead of supported maybe a young filmmaker who's a woman or who's non-binary or anybody who's not a white man to make this movie and you are mentoring them, you are supporting them through this process as a veteran filmmaker, so to speak. So I don't know. I totally, I, I mean, I get where those themes would, it would make sense and all of that. And it wasn't that I like, I don't feel as strong about this movie as I did about mother. I will say that, but it just feels like another thing again, where a man's like, I know how to make, I could tell this story because mm-hmm. I'm a great filmmaker and it's like, yeah, but great filmmakers can't make any type of media, mm-hmm. you know, like, I don't think that a straight person should make a movie about fucking Stonewall, you know, like mm-hmm. there's just, there's just certain themes that regardless of how much you know and understand you are not the appropriate person to tell that story in such a big platform like that. So I just kind of felt like the film was like, I get what you're doing, but it didn't resonate with me, so to speak.
1: Yeah, totally. And yeah, it definitely feels like someone like looking from the outside in on experiences they don't have. Because I also have a lot of notes on the things that Harper does that don't make sense. Um, One more thing I wanted to talk about context wise before just the last of my just general reaction notes um, was something I found really interesting. This was the most interesting thing that I found, which was learning what the poem was that the vicar was reciting to her in that very complicated scene so um it's called "Leda and the swan it's by w.b yeats and uh, who is a um woman who had written this story in like i think like the 1920s or something like that and it's a it's a poem that is reflecting on a story about there's like a, a story in like greek or roman mythology um it's well let's see It's Greek because it's Zeus. So uh, a story in Greek, (laughs) I had to like remind myself. Um, (laughs) A lot of the stories are similar. Um, So- Anyways, there's this old story um, about Zeus where he turns into a swan and he rapes this woman, Leda. Leda eventually becomes the mother of Helen of Troy. Um, so Helen of Troy is the one that when she like leaves Agamemnon, like all that shit happens, right? Yeah. So as we all know from the historical film featuring Orlando Bloom. Um-
0: <laughs> okay. That's a classic.
1: Classic. So Anywho, this story, uh, or this poem is reflecting on that. And that's actually what he's reading from, which is really interesting. Um, because the poem itself is about like the, so basically I think what this scene is doing is showing that the vicar thinks that she is at fault. Um, but that, that that is part of like rape culture overall um, because that's part of what was in the story about Zeus and Leto, was this idea that there was something about her that made him like have to take her or whatever Um, which again I'm so sorry those stories are gross Zeus is like a giant rapist and he does it in human and animal form So anyways, like, which goes back to the way that James feels about his abuse, the idea that he just loves her so much that, like, it puts her at fault for this abuse that she faces, which it doesn't, Um, but Anyway, so part of the poem that he recites is a shudder in the loins engenders there, the broken wall, the burning roof and tower and Agamemnon dead, um, which I put a note with that good pussy can kill a man.
0: Um, so <laughs> that's, what the, that's what the vicar should have just said. Yeah, I probably would have liked this movie more if he would have just said that.
1: Yeah, if he would have just been like, wow. I am so obsessed with your pussy. I could fucking die. Yeah. Could, then die. Yeah.
0: No wonder your <laughs> husband threw himself off a balcony. I would have too.
1: <laughs> Cause that pussy.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, so, so that is the poem that that comes from. And I got this information from this article on Substack. Um, that uh, talked about an analysis of this poem. Um, it's by Caitlin Cowan and it is called to understand Alex Garland's men, you have to understand this Yeats sonnet. And so she talks about how um, she, pregnant, watched this movie in theaters. And I'm like, that's brave of you. Um, and so she talks about everything from the small to the big slights that, and violence that we experience from men and the ways in which she sees Harper as like having to deal with that in the film and then ultimately um, kind of like you said kind of walking through it like um being able to destroy all of these different like incarnations of that um okay so yeah the poem was published in 1924 um quote the poem describes an event from greek mythology in which zeus in the form of a swan rapes leda a spartan princess um which is interesting because earlier she at one point she had asked the vicar um like what are you or something and he said a swan and so she I know, I know. And so kind of, so she's talking in this article about like the idea of whether or not the vicar was acknowledging that he, that, that this creature thinks of itself as some kind of God or thinks of her as deserving of being taken by them. Um, so yeah, he calls himself a swan. Um, And basically the sonnet, it's very short, um, but part of it says um, a sudden blow, the great wings beating still above the staggering girl, her thighs caressed by the dark webs, her nape caught in his bill. He holds her helpless breast upon his breast. And so I'm so sorry. And so (laughs) you could see her face just unimpressed, (laughs) disgusted. Yeah. (laughs) Um, yeah. And so, but the image it's describing though is interesting because of the way that his arm is split with each half of his hand. It almost kind of looks like a swan's neck and bill and it's like wrapped around her. I don't know. I have no idea if any of that part was intentional. Um,
0: so I don't know. Um, and it's like, how hard would that be to put that meaning into the damn movie? You know what I mean? Like we shouldn't have to, Watch a YouTube video and read a Substack article to understand your fucking movie. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: I think that's the issue I have. It's like, who is this movie for? Mm -hmm. Is this for anyone to watch? Or is this for, like, who is this for? Because I would have... I'm not... I didn't grow up religious. I'm not a religious person now. So I would not have known any of that. And I wouldn't Mm -hmm. have then delved even further to be like well he said this he recited this it seems like a poem let me see what it is like no
1: yeah Thanks. I googled it because once he said Agamemnon because at first I was like is he yeah. just, like bold like just right here on the spot I'm making up a poem for you or is this something he's reciting because you mentioned Agamemnon I'm like is he reading is he reading from like I was trying to think of one of like those old like you know Greek stories right like you know on uh-huh. um, the Iliad or whatever and so I was like is he reading from one of those like why would that be here and then I, I googled that and that's how i found this person's Substack article and i will say to your question of like why do we have to look so much into this so i will say he did make a comment in the interview i watched of his that he is interested in his films being participatory
0: i know typical man it's like this isn't for everyone those who get it get it it's such a thought-stopping cliche of like you know what i mean like boys will be boys yeah Of just being like, well, my films are meant to be participated with, not just watched. It's like, get the fuck out of here. Get out of here with that. Okay. You had a man giving birth out of his fucking shoulder blades Uh in this movie. How am I supposed to participate in that, Alex?
1: Speaking of, of, one of the notes I put in here is just my fascination with how much cis men love telling stories about birth. Um, yes they love it and like think about it you know ex machina um you know part of the stories part of the part of what we see in stories about ai is you know man trying to create like often cis men who don't have the ability to you know birth something from their body doing that not literally by in this case creating <laughs> an android that he can fuck um okay and then um <laughs> annihilation which remind me have you seen Annihilation?
0: I don't think so, but it's I think you with told me the plot. Human. Oh, you told me the plot. Okay. So I did put it on our list.
1: <laughs> Anyways, but one of some of the main themes that are in Annihilation are bodies that are mutating and bodies that are kind of being reborn. And so he definitely seems to have some kind of interest with bodies as sites of violence, mutilation, birth, uh, regeneration, things like that. So he seems like a little freak. Um Mommy
0: bo- mommy issues. Probably. <laughs> you can edit that out if you want. But it's just like... Women don't have mommy issues. Honestly. It's like, what is the deal with most of his films having those themes? Like, mm-hmm. I get it that filmmakers might have, you know, you can see similarities of, like, cinematography, maybe the music they use, even actors they use, whatever. But it's just... It's just very specific for you to have multiple films that you're creating or have a hand in creating that have those same themes and are also themes that you can't speak to, ultimately. That's not to say that you don't have experiences as, you know, maybe someone who is a parent and who went through... The experience of seeing your partner or whoever the other parent is of your child giving birth. It's very scary. It's very overwhelming. And a lot of times the parents who don't carry the children are left with a lot of just emotion that they have nowhere to put because everyone's so focused on new baby and the person who gave birth. But it's like, it doesn't seem like that's what he's exploring. He is exploring specifically the violence that women can experience or pregnant people or anyone who is seen as being able to be taken, like you said, so to speak. It's so, it's just like, what's going on there, man? What's going on at home? What's going on in that noggin up there?
1: I know, I'm so curious. Um, but yeah, I, I did think that was interesting. Um, once I kind of thought about some, like the, like thinking about his like larger, like uh, body of work, I was just like, huh, like what what, what is up with that? Alex, um, you seem to be very curious about this, Um, but he also just talked about other work that he found really interesting, like Cronenberg, who is another person whose work often has focused on bodies, birth, sex, stuff like that. Speaking of birth, I cannot wait for us to watch The Brood. <laughs> um, <laughs> so um, anyways, I, yeah, I I guess I just think it's interesting. I totally agree that I think this movie would have been so much better if these concepts would have been done by somebody who's not a white dude. Um, some of the things I put in my notes that made no sense were, why didn't she know that this was the same guy's face?
0: That is exactly what I put in there. I said, how long would it have taken you to even comment on, huh? all you British folks out here look the exact fucking same.
1: Yeah, and not in like a silly way where it's like, huh, all of you look kind of similar, but no, you all have the same face.
0: Yeah, like they change the hairstyles in a couple. The vicar has colored contacts in, but other mm-hmm. than that, they have the same fucking face. Uh-huh. And so I don't know if that also is supposed to have some meaning to it that like, you know, she's so consumed with her guilt and grief that she doesn't notice it. And it's like, I would fucking notice if all these British white guys were just coming at me left and right and all had the same face.
1: Right. And you and I were texting about this uh, while watching that while watching this, but also the interactions with her and her friend, Riley. So first
0: of all, why
1: wouldn't Riley have just gone?
0: Why didn't Riley already have the contact information already have wow. the address already know exactly where you're going. Anytime Kelly and I go somewhere, that is a new location or just anything we drop our location we send the address we send photos of who we're going to see if it's someone new like so that also again because a man made it because Mm -hmm. men don't think about that shit and they don't think that we actually as people who are not cis men think about these things and so the fact that when she's trying to give her friend the address and her friend's like just text it to me it's like bitch you should already had it yeah. I wouldn't have let you leave the house without sending me that address. Like what?
1: Seriously. Seriously. And also she looked like she was about to pop. So your friend is like super pregnant. Wouldn't she want like a cute little like just laying around in a cottage she was super close to a city we saw that like it's not that there's not a mm-hmm. hospital around but like I don't know I just I I, I I mean I guess if she went into labor she probably wouldn't want to be four hours away from her doctor or whatever but like I just thought that was wild because like if one of us had gone through a tragedy like this I mean obviously the other one would have moved in like it, yeah. it wouldn't have been apart anyway but like you I don't think that you would have just let me say I think I just want to go be alone for two entire weeks in a new location and I'm not going to give you the address
0: yeah, and there's also an incident that happens once she's at this house for a day or two days or something yeah. that in my opinion I would have left oh, after that, him. you know, like there's yeah. essentially one of these men shows up at her house, the the naked one shows up at the house and is like it's is stalking her essentially and the police come and arrest him, one of the cops is the guy with the same face and She's talking to her friend later on FaceTime and her friend is like, why don't you leave? Like, come home. This is ridiculous. And she says, like, I didn't come here to be afraid. And I just felt like that was not something that any person, any woman or any person who experiences gendered violence on a daily basis, especially what just happened to her. Would be like, no, I'm going to stay here and tough it out. What the fuck? I would have dipped out so fast. And I felt like, again, it's because a man wrote it. And they don't think that you can continue the plot along without doing that. You could have still showed her trying to leave and have you know Joffrey show up and like talk her off the ledge or something.
1: Uh-huh. But well, for her yeah. to just be like, no. <laughs> there could have been something where like the cops blocking the road or like, yeah, like she could have tried to leave or like, also what even is this town? Is it even a real town? Is she in some kind of scary other universe? What if it did like an American horror story murder house thing where she tried to drive down the road? She was back at the
0: house, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Jeffrey could have fucked with her car whenever he was getting her bags out. You know what I mean? Like there Uh were, there were plot devices that could have been used that were much more realistic just like again with mother where jennifer lawrence is mopping up slit blood off of her floor barefoot mm-hmm. that's not how you clean that's mm-hmm. not that doesn't make any sense and so yeah there were just things like that where i was like you can tell a man wrote this because they have no concept of reality of what it is like trying to exist with a vagina <laughs> we'll just leave
1: yeah. it at that And then you're saying her pregnant friend then said, after finding out that naked man had been released of, no, you're not going to lose this opportunity to have a good time. I'll just show up. And like, I kind of was with it when she was like, I would kick his ass. Like, I can imagine a friend being like all hyped up, like I'll protect you. But when she showed up that pregnant, I was like, are you kidding? Like, yeah you're going to print what do you mean yeah it was it was weird um I did wonder with the pregnancy and with the colors of like the red and the green I wondered if there we were supposed to be getting because I still just don't fully understand how the themes of rebirth and the themes of like the you know Christian patriarchal violence how all that's really supposed to go together um but I wondered if we were supposed to be seeing her like caught between being sort of stuck in the death of what happened and then maybe trying to move forward and have like, you know, renewal, like moving forward. And if maybe her friend, her friend, her pregnant friend being the one to pick her up in the end is supposed to like signal that in some way that like she's embracing like life and moving forward. I have no idea. I just thought that was just such a weird detail that she was pregnant. Now for all I know, the actress was just pregnant in real life and it meant nothing. But like when she walked up and was fully pregnant like that, I was like, huh, well, I just saw a 20 minute birth scene. So does that mean something?
0: I know. And I kind of felt like if he was going to keep that as like, it's a specific uh, theme or a specific piece that's important, Why wouldn't you have already, let's say the friend calls the last scene of the movie and is like, holy shit, I was getting in the car to come see you and my water broke and I just gave birth and it's a little baby boy. You know what I mean? And then that's the last scene because that to me shows that she is in that in-between of not just death, but dealing with all this gendered violence, trying to navigate that. And now there's not only this, this actual birth, this, you know, new life, but is this child, this boy child, going to be raised up in this patriarchy society and come and, and becomes one of those men? You know what I mean? Like, and again, it's because a man wrote it. And they just wanted to leave it vague because they didn't know how to fucking end it. <laughs> yeah. But yes. Um, what is your ranking system for this movie?
1: Um, so we are ranking this movie out of five slits. And <laughs> I am gonna go, I'm gonna go three and a half out of five slits. Um, I think that overall for me, the second watch was an interesting experience, and I am not opposed to watching it again. Um, I agree that I think other people could have made a story like this better. Um, one of the notes that I made was like, I wish that it hadn't have been like a husband, like, I wish you because she looked like a lesbian i wish that she had been gay and that she had just gone through a breakup and then her you know she still had her friend she's communicating with whatever but then i think it would have almost made it more sinister that she's in this scary town of only men um you know what i mean oh also i thought it was weird that we had like that one random woman character who was like a cop or whatever i thought that took away that there was anyone in that town that wasn't the man
0: yeah, because did that lady cop not notice that all the fucking men in this town have the same face?
1: Yeah, because for a part of the movie, it almost kind of felt like she wasn't even really in a town. She was in some kind of other place that's only a yeah. man. But it kind of took me out of it when that lady showed up. I'm like, who are you? Is this place a place? Like, what? Yeah, Wait.
0: yeah. And like, I kind of wish that if they would have had her be a lady cop, she would have had his face, you know? That would have been fun. Right? Yeah. Or like, just a little bit to where... It's not the exact face, but like they've they've copied certain features to where you're just you know what I mean? Like you're kinda leaning in as a viewer being like, Is are are you the same?
1: Yeah. I mean they CGI'd, you know, the green man's dick for multiple scenes. You couldn't have seen one of these ladies. Because I mm-hmm. mean, you already gave this thing a pussy in parts of its scenes, which I did yeah. think that was interesting that in one um the creature had it's a vagina where a vagina would be and it's like dick above it and then in another mm-hmm. scene it looked like it was birthed from like its belly and then another scene it looked like it was birthed from a shoulder and then the mouth and I just found that fascinating that there were so many things ha- that was one of the moments where I was like wow this guy really went for it he really tried to have a crazy good time and I, I bet yeah he,
0: he really grabbed on in <laughs> It was pretty gross. Um, I think that as someone who's only watched it once, I'm gonna give it a one and a half, mainly because I was so unsettled the first three quarters of this movie that I didn't know if I was gonna be able to get through it. I would hesitantly rewatch it, but it would have to be probably like with you, so that I could like I'm not gonna casually be like, you know what I want to watch again? Men. Like it's not, you know, it's not one of those rewatch abilities, but if you and I were hanging out together and we were like, you know what, let's just watch something weird. Do you want to watch men again and like talk shit about it? Then yes, absolutely. I'll watch it again. So I think that I would do one and a half out of five (laughs) slits. Yes.
1: Well, wonderful. Okay. Um, So next we're going to talk about She's the Man, which is a very different
0: watching experience okay so let's talk about she's the man this is probably one of my all-time favorite rom-coms i watched it all the time as a kid um it came out in 2006 so we were about 13 when it came out and i played soccer as a kid and so of course any movie that had soccer in it i was like sign me up i'm watching it don't care what the theme is um this one is a soccer movie. It is based off of William Shakespeare's Twelfth Night I'm gonna be honest I don't know that much about Billy Shakes except for Romeo and Juliet and so that doesn't really mean much to me um and I just want to go ahead and put that out there in case (laughs) you end up talking about a bunch of Shakespeare stuff and I'm like I don't know I don't know any of it really
1: yeah for all the Shakespeare heads out there this conversation's not going there
0: yeah we're not we're not doing it so she's the man is a 2006 film that starred Amanda Bynes and Channing Tatum. And I could be wrong, but I think this is probably one of Channing Tatum's like first really big roles. Um And so, and of course, Amanda Bynes has been, been famous up to this point. Plays Viola. She has a twin brother named Sebastian. No idea who plays him. Sorry to whoever that man is. Um Don't know who he is though. And she plays soccer at her school and her brother has recently been kicked out of that same school. We don't know for what, and her soccer team gets cut from, I guess, school. They don't have the funding for it. And so she wants to try out for the boys team at that school. The coach says, no, he's very patronizing about it. And so her brother is a musician and is told her that he's going to sneak out of the house to go play music in London for two weeks, whatever that means. And, Her parents are conveniently divorced, so I guess her parents just don't keep tabs on their children because her plan is that she's going to impersonate her brother and go to his new school, try out for that soccer team, and beat her school's old team in the opening game of the season. So real casual, real casual things are happening, you know, not anything that would require logistics and paperwork and vaccination records. And I don't know, parent signatures. Does the brother even have a passport? We don't know, but he's going to London. So that's how the film opens. And um, I wrote this down in my notes. I have watched this so many times that I can pick up on the cadence of the actor's voices in a scene and know exactly like what the next line will be. It feels mm-hmm. like one of those movies that if you had a gun to my head, we're like, recite a movie. I'll show you a screenshot of a movie. Recite it. I could do She's the Man. Yeah. Um. I've seen it so many times. I love this movie. And so, of course, as the plot goes, she, um, I guess, transforms into her brother, which is a wig and some <laughs> taped-on eyebrows and sideburns. Yeah. <laughs> and um, goes to the school, and Channing Tatum is one of her roommates. And they have Yum. one of the, yeah, yummers. <laughs> Honestly, I had a crush on every single major cast person in this movie. Yeah. Amanda Bynes, Channing Tatum, all of Amanda Bynes' friends, all of Channing yeah. Tatum's friends. Paul. Um, Paul, the bitchy girlfriend, like all of it. Um, the parents, both of them. I was like, hmm, I'm kind of into your absentee parenting. I don't know. I like it. Um, they're like wasps, you know. So they're, I guess they're supposed to be upper class. That's kind of the vibe you get. They go to boarding schools. So although like they're, they're like boarding schools that they can still see their parents at. I don't know. Um, and so I didn't write down like what my favorite line is in the movie because it's hard to pick. But honestly, I think. My favorite line of the movie from this rewatch was when Amanda Bynes is at the school and, you know, she's binding her breasts and all of this and she's in the bathroom with some of the other boys and it's one of those like communal bathrooms where they've just got a bunch of... Faucets (laughs) faucets <laughs> everywhere and there's no privacy it's just holes and faucets in this bathroom and she was going to take a shower in there before she realized people were coming in and so she had already unwrapped her breast, and her wrap was sitting on the sink counter and as she goes to leave kind of frantically Tanning Tatum holds up this like probably stinky ass wrap bandage and he goes I, was oh. like, I
1: think it had been like days since she yes. had a shower
0: yeah and he gives it to her and she had already been saying just like she she was coming off very weird impersonating her brother like just uh like acting strange around the other guys and so he goes to hand her this and he goes oh you left your your thing and he says coolio and then she (laughs) responds with word g money (laughs) at least that's what the caption said I don't know if that is actually what is being said like that's what's in the script but it's just such a weird exchange because she says it like where'd you money like she's just (laughs) it's so strange Um, and like
1: Channing Tatum looks at her and is like okay yeah
0: and just different like there's different lines that she says throughout the movie where she's like I got a lifetime of knowledge like there's just different shit that she says that's ingrained into me that I'm sure as a teenager I was insufferable I'm sure i talked like amanda Bynes, and she's the man at times i bet my parents were like why are you talking like this this is not how you talk (laughs) um the way like the way she changes her voice to sound like her brother all of the scenes with the principal are chef's kiss the principal is played by is his name david cross Uh okay and he plays this really i guess um exuberant principal like he loves his job and he loves the school they're at he's one of those guys and um
1: over involved yes
0: and at one point later in the film you know amanda Bynes is wearing a wig to pretend to be her brother and he sees amanda Bynes like scratching (laughs) her wig and david cross is bald and he goes he says something like the jig is up you know like uh and amanda Bynes thinks that the principal knows that she is not her brother and so she's trying to like prepare to explain this to him and he goes you're a baldy it's okay be proud of it and it would crack me up every single time I watched it because he's just Amanda Bynes is like what he's like
1: he's like the ladies love it
0: (laughs) yes and he's like I know you're wearing a wig and Amanda Bynes is like I'm not he's like it's because you're bald and it just it both cracks me up, and it's really funny, like comedic timing. But also, again, I just really wonder. To be on a serious note, like, how does this feel watching as a trans youth, or even as a trans adult, to to think that like you've like someone is going to essentially out you, and instead, it's just something like, oh no, I can tell you're bald because you wear a wig. Um, it just cracks me up. There's other scenes where she's on the phone with her mom talking about like a debutante ball she has to go to. And her mom wants her to wear high heels. And she's telling her mom, like, "Um, I'm not going to wear high heels. They're an invention made by men to make it harder for women to run away. And so then it pans to the principal talking to one of these students. And the student is like, I'm telling you, Sebastian is not who he says he is. And the principal's like, have you ever tried to run in high heels? It's very (laughs) difficult. And so it's just, I love those scenes like that where you're, these people are being gaslit by Amanda Pines, essentially. But for sure, it's just the comedic timing of it I love. Um, and everyone's hot in it. I like the, I, I put in my notes, I want to take a bath in the soundtrack. Yes. The songs that they picked, there are certain songs now, like the Veronica song, Forever. I can't hear that and not think of She's the Man. Like, mm-hmm. every time I hear it, it's that scene in She's the Man where she's getting dressed. yeah
1: I love the opening song when they're playing Mm. soccer on the beach. I want you. Want you all the time. Yeah. I don't know if
0: we can even do that because of licensing. But you know, yes. Um, I also wrote down in my okay, so obviously it's two thousand six, so it is it's a two thousands movie. And at one point you see the guy that Viola was dating who was on the boys' soccer team at her old school, and he shows up in this purple polo with the collar popped. And I (laughs) just love it
1: because it's his his Aeropostale t-shirt. Yes.
0: I could just feel that material. You know what I mean? Like I, yes. And that, that collar that probably didn't even need to take much work to stand up to pop, because let's be honest, it's a shitty material. And so it probably doesn't lay flat anyway. Love it. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean like there's so many great scenes in it but I feel like it is a romantic comedy but that's not the whole plot of the movie you know what I mean like she's not pretending to be her brother to get a man (laughs) you know Uh, she's not yeah she's not even joining the soccer team because like her boyfriend plays soccer like she already was a soccer player in her own right and just happened to have a boyfriend who was on the boys team um and her boyfriend's real like misogynistic and and all of that. Um, one note I did have is so the opening scene when they're on the beach and they're playing soccer, you know, at the end whenever she scores and they fall to the, the the ground and they're in the sand and they're going back and forth saying the most unhinged things to each other as teenagers. I'm just imagining being the like 25, 30 year old, whoever it is that wrote this script, especially those lines, having to imagine a teenager saying them you know like it's just do you think this is how teenagers talk right. back then so strange weird I think that about a lot of like teen movies or you know mm-hmm. like rom-coms in general but it just uh some of the lines it was like do you do you know any teens <laughs>
1: yeah is that or, you think that they sound like
0: yes exactly exactly um the mom Uh, the person who plays Amanda Bynes mom is also the mom in just friends and Mm -hmm. she's great in it because there's a scene where pretty early in the movie Amanda Bynes breaks up with her boyfriend and she comes home and her mom is very excited about her joining this like debutante ball uh because I guess they're upper class and that's what they do and so she tells her mom that she's not going because her and her boyfriend broke up party (laughs) who's ready to come out (laughs) (laughs) that's what they say at the end um (laughs) And she's telling her mom, like, you know, I broke up with him, blah, blah, blah. And her mom goes, oh, why? He's so handsome and rugged and chiseled. That's kind of like, <laughs> I think that's what she says verbatim. And then she goes, well, why don't you date him, mom? And she stomps up the stairs and <laughs> hands back to the mom. And she goes, oh, no, I couldn't. I couldn't. And she kind of laughs to herself. And it just, oh, love it. Love the, the cringy parents of the 2000s that rom-com showed of just like, yeah the absent dad and the ditzy mom who like have no idea
1: because at the end they're like let's exchange cell phone numbers and emails i know y'all are divorced but what the fuck are you talking about yeah
0: your children are still in school you need to have each other's contact information they're
1: still minors
0: yeah what the speaking of minors in the end of the movie when again this is a spoilers podcast if you haven't watched she's the man i'm sorry about to spoil it for you eventually some of the students find out about viola and they want to expose her but at this point her brother has already come back to to town mm-hmm. has no I idea what amanda Bynes, yes has no idea what's been happening with amanda binds these past two weeks so he walks in and he's like i'm on the soccer team my roommate hates me some girl just kissed me when i got out of the cab like what's happening so um at one point the students who try to expose viola show up to the soccer game and tell the principal, you need to address this. And it's not Amanda Bynes. It's not Viola on the soccer field at this point. It's her brother. And so, you know, they essentially try to out him and say, this is actually his sister who's been impersonating him. And he says, no, this is, I am me. I I am a man. And one of the students who's trying to expose her says, prove it. And he pulls his pants down to show his penis, which, okay, there's a lot of adults in the audience of this soccer game. Yeah. And they make comments about his genitals. They sure do. Amanda Bynes' friends, who I guess are probably all supposed to be teens, they make comments, which that's whatever. But Adult then, comments. then adults make comments. And his dad even makes a comment of like, that's my boy. And I'm like, ew. Your son just exposed himself in public. So we've got that. And also, wouldn't that make you get expelled from school, showing your dick to the whole soccer field?
1: Are people's, like, little siblings there? Like, did some five-year-old just see 16-year-old's dick? I don't know how old Viola and Sebastian are if they're 17. Yeah,
0: I don't know. Because then later in the movie, once Viola shows up onto the field again, um, which is so funny because you see in one scene, the brother has his face painted because all the players got their face painted. And... Amanda Bynes and her brother are talking and she's like, no, give me my uniform. I got to get on the field. And then whenever they cut to her talking to the coach to be like, put me in coach. I'm sorry I was shitty the first half. I'll be better this half. Her face has rubbed off face paint all over it. And it didn't in the earlier scene. So I'm like, did you and your brother rub faces together? So that it would no be
1: idea. Maybe they're really like somewhere on, on the sidelines or something, like for them to reapply. I don't know. Yeah.
0: So when she shows back on the on the field and you know, she's actually playing soccer well, all these things, and she is finally going to come clean on what she's doing. They don't believe her now because obviously her brother's already shown his dick to the whole world. So her response is to pull up her shirt and show her tits to the whole Group of people again, including all of the adults there, her soccer coach, these referees, her old school's boy soccer coach, mm-hmm. and it's just like, what are, what are we doing here? Is and this appropriate? Those,
1: those parts can exist together.
0: Yeah, it doesn't mean I'm like not, I'm not oh, saying
1: I wanted her to pull her right hand down and show her vulva to everybody. I'm just right, saying, like yeah,
0: and of okay. course, sex does not equal gender as we know, but it's just like. Um, why are we making this as part of the comedy that these children are showing their genitals to adults? It's just like, hmm. Two thousands were wild. Very wild. Um
1: were, there I, were so many flashing scenes in the movies from our youth, like ten years. about you? Like it's I mean. which is also a scene where a, a youth flashes I,
0: herself yes. and an adult
1: is the person that sees.
0: And she plays soccer in that movie too she does play soccer in that movie wow wow but yes uh i feel like i could go on forever and ever and ever about she's the man because i watched it just so many times um i still love it i do think also one of my favorite lines from this watch through is when the oh my god i've just blanked on his name malcolm there's a character named malcolm which i guess if you watched 12th or read 12th night you'd be like oh that's a character from it whatever um he is in love with another character named Olivia, and she's like, I guess, the love interest of Sebastian, so to speak, and he walks over to her table in the cafeteria, sits down, grabs her sandwich, and goes, did you know that baloney is 38% hoof? <laughs> and I think I forgot hilarious. the line, and it, <laughs> when he said that when I rewatched it, I was cackling, because it's just like, who, fu- who the fuck would say that and think that yeah that's a good line that's what i'm gonna say to her that'll really get her to like me did you know that baloney is 38 percent hoof fascinating it's just fascinating um the guy who directed she's the man alan or not alan sorry andy i want to say it's fickman um he also directed you again that has Kristen bell in it He directed the game plan that has The Rock in it where I actually don't know what that one's about but he he directed it. Um, He also directed Paul Blart 2 which uh, again haven't seen but it seems like he made a lot of movies in the 2000s. Yeah. I don't know too much about him. And then I actually don't know who wrote it either.
1: Oh, I think I have that. Hold on. So it was written by uh, Ewan Leslie, uh, Karen McCullough, and Kristen Smith. I'm sorry, Kirsten Smith.
0: Oh, oh. It actually did not get, I mean, it didn't get terrible reviews, but it didn't get great reviews. It yeah. seems like it got, it got a 44% on Rotten Tomatoes, which I think is a crime.
1: I agree.
0: It's a I crime. And I definitely do wonder, and this is just me watching it now and having watched it so many times, there are times where her accent and some of the things that she says as Sebastian, it feels almost like a like black scent. You know what I mean? Yeah,
1: exactly. It's- there
0: are a few times where I'm just like, I don't yeah, know about feel- that
1: yeah i feel like it, it was one of those things where it's like she's trying to do, like talk like she hears boys talk but it was written probably i mean i don't know i don't know who these three people are but it feels like yeah it was written by white people who didn't think about the implications yeah.
0: of
1: having her talk
0: yeah way. yeah because there's the scene where um she has essentially orchestrated with her friends to make it seem like Sebastian is a ladies' man. So all of her friends show up to this restaurant and they're oh all God, hitting. The best. Yes. They're them. all like hitting on her and this. And then at one point, Sebastian's real girlfriend slash ex-girlfriend shows up Monique and like has a freak out because he, you know, as Amanda Bynes breaks up with her again, but the next day at school when she's being she's interacting with other students and they're finding out that sebastian is like a ladies man the the way that she responds to some of them it's definite definite uh not okay black scent that she's using right there and i'm just like what are we doing why do we have to do that so i did not like that um and re-watching it this time i was like whoa that is very noticeable um one of the and i'll i'll tell you more f- little facts about the movie later but one of the pieces that I thought was really relevant to what we're talking about right now is the scene where she is following the different men around on the street trying to like mimic how they walk yes she did that like that they're just random people oh. she said she went on a street in Vancouver and just walked behind men impersonating how they walked
1: that's wild
0: <laughs> And it also said that her and the director would go to like a mall or a park or something and just watch men to figure out like how she was gonna walk and talk and carry herself and all that so it's just like interesting it is
1: interesting and like I know you've you've mentioned it a little bit like you know how would like trans people feel watching this mm-hmm. now and then and like I know that I have read I have read some articles from trans mass people saying that they feel really affirmed by the movie getting to see Sebastian be treated as this like ladies man even though he's like kind of awkward the girl who's like considered like the hot girl or whatever is obsessed with him even though and actually because he you know isn't quote like the other boys
0: <laughs> yeah <laughs>
1: like, she like basically says that to him like oh, he's not like the other boys I, 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 I put in my notes hashtag not like the other boys yeah and so um yeah like I, I can see how parts of the movie might feel good that like yeah it can be awkward whenever we're going through transition periods in our lives when it comes to our, our identity whether that's our gender or our sexuality and trying to like settle into like who we are and so I can imagine that it could be affirming to see someone who's trying to figure it out and also is like you know getting that attention and still seen as like cute and funny um but also it is kind of menacing some of the scenes where like people are trying to clog her and she's scared someone's gonna find out and like especially since some of those settings are like you know sports bathrooms Mm -hmm. dorms like things like that like those are really serious and scary things that trans youth have to experience so I also wonder kind of how this hits for like, you know, a trans person who's like 16, if they were to watch this movie, like how might they feel about it?
0: Yeah. Did you feel like the, so the scenes with Sebastian, Amanda Bynes as Sebastian and Olivia, the character, did it give you Mulan vibes with the whole thing of like, oh, it's your brother that you're pretending to be and your brother's here now I guess that's fine I'll just be with your brother as if their personalities are the exact same at all like we Mm -hmm. don't even we don't even touch or begin to explore that the fact that 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 character is just really into Sebastian as Amanda Bynes is Sebastian
1: Right. Like is really the only thing she's experienced from Sebastian, like not Amanda Bynes, um, is reading some lyrics of his, um, and that they look somewhat physically similar. Yeah. Like, it, like that's it. And it's just like, yeah, like you were into Amanda Bynes. And yeah. so it's just like, It could have, like, it's like, it makes me wonder, like, if this movie was made now, like, would that character then realize, like, oh, the reason I liked this character was, or this person was because they aren't a boy. Yeah. And, like, I was able to pick up on that, and I still vibed with them. Oh, I just realized I'm a lesbian. Like, you know, like, I, it, it is weird, because it's just, like, I understand the confusion with the kiss, Of like she saw him from behind, it was dark, sure. Movie magic, I guess you missed it, you mistook them. But then, like, having to actually talk to this person, like uh the scenes that we got of real Sebastian, it didn't seem like Amanda Bynes was impersonating her brother at all. Yeah,
0: no, not at all. She just looked like him because, like they said, no one guitar with her. Yeah, she's like, no one knows who Sebastian is, and so she could be whoever she yeah. wanted him to be and also to be like a convincing like boy yes and speaking of that the scenes with her as Sebastian and Channing Tatum which then lead to at the end of the movie whenever they have this like moment outside before the debutante ball and he's like you know I really miss my friend and she's like he's still in here and I'm like that oh, is
1: yay. That's, That's, that is
0: homosexual conversation right there. Like, Mm -hmm. I'm not saying that cis men and cis women cannot be both friends and partners and lovers and all those things. That is not what that man was saying. That is not what that man was saying
1: it felt homosexual and it felt like studio notes or like something that had to be put in where there's this line of like, you know, just make sure you, you, you don't like be a boy again or that you stay a girl or whatever it is that he says. I'm just like, oh, okay. Like it's sure. And so it's just, and then we, you know, we have to see her in this like pageantry looking extremely feminine, um, which like that, that's cool. Like feminine, you know, isn't necessarily hetero. It's just interesting. It makes it feel like almost like a tomboy story where like there has to be a return to traditional femininity for it to be accepted. And so it's like, damn, there were definitely some moments that felt a little sapphic that felt Mm -hmm. homosexual. Like speaking of whenever Amanda Bynes still looks like Sebastian and kind of like is in Channing Tatum's face a little bit on the Mm -hmm. soccer field and they're getting kind of aggressive. Like I was like, oh my God, gay. Like, I don't know like I was like wow this is fun like I can imagine like a trans mask queer person being like boom checking some boxes here um and so yeah like there were parts where I was like oh this is homosexual behavior Mm -hmm. um but then it feels like at the end they really had to throw in some stuff that like yes I am boy and you are girl only Mm -hmm. anyways yeah
0: Yeah, I really wish that they would have honestly just not not wrapped it up for them like that. Like they could have still done the whole thing of, you know, like he takes her to the ball and all of that if you want. But I don't think it needed to be, "Oh, but because you're not a boy," in quotation marks, "we can actually be together." And it's like she's no she's no different with or without the wig on. You know. Yeah,
1: she's not doing the silly voice, but that is her personality.
0: Yeah, and whenever you did actually see her as herself, at the carnival midway through the movie you were both into it but also were disappointed because you wanted the other girl Mm -hmm. and so it's just like hmm it's it's just hmm, i wonder what the actors would think of it today especially given how people view it who watched it as a teen then to watch it now um yeah but i mentioned obviously if you haven't watched mulan anyone who's listening the reason why i say that is because mulan is pretending to be a boy to join the army to defeat the huns her i guess superior officer um they become close and then at the end whenever he realizes she's a girl he's like oh i'm into it and it's like oh so you weren't into paying the whole movie
1: yeah because obviously you were
0: yeah like what
1: I know. I think that Duke is going to realize later that he's bisexual and I think Olivia is going to realize that she's
0: lesbian. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Love the movie. It has definite rewatchability for me. I will watch it again and again. It's a play in the background kind of movie. Um, Mm -hmm. To understand our ranking system, I will go ahead and say there is a scene where uh amanda Bynes as sebastian is trying to teach channing tatum's character duke how to i guess flirt with women or how to have a conversation as if someone who looks like channing tatum has to do anything <laughs> he just has to stand there but amanda Bynes is trying to tell him like you need to tell you need to have a conversation before you ask someone out you can't just ask them out without ever talking to them like you have to Interact, and he's like, "What do we talk about?" She's like, "Whatever you want to talk about, you just start flowing. You'll know if the conversation works." And he's still just like, "I don't know what to talk to her about." And he's and Amanda Bynes is like, "Anything you can say? Do you like cheese?" And Channing Tatum is like, "What?" And so he poses to Amanda Bynes like, "Do you like cheese?" And she goes, "Why? Yes, I do. My favorite scooter." love it yes. love it
1: and then at the very end after duke is upset with her she mails him a com or not mails him sebastian delivers um so sebastian himself delivers a box for amanda bynes um viola and it is a comically large um wheel of gouda cheese yeah as if he's gonna have any he's not gonna finish the- all that cheese
0: he's gonna eat this wheel of cheese in his dorm room and cry about sebastian being a girl
1: so we are rating <laughs> this film out of five wheels of cheese.
0: What is uh what is it to you? Cause you I mean you've watched it a few times.
1: Yeah, I give it a four. Yeah. Four out of yeah. five wheels of cheese for me. I love this movie. Yeah, there's definitely some stuff that's the two thousand four of it all that doesn't age great. And I do worry that this movie is like hard to watch for some people now because of mm-hmm. the transphobic society that we live in um but this movie is extremely rewatchable for me I love it I quote it so much it's a great movie and mm-hmm. yeah four
0: out of five yeah I'm gonna go five out of five I know mean, I'm biased I've watched it a lot I think if I would have just watched this for the very first time or like had only really watched it a handful of times I'd probably do four out of five but the the sentimental factor for me makes it a five out of five for sure love it live laugh love it
1: also Eunice was amazing and my favorite and I love her
0: Yes, I did love Eunice. I did hate that we f- that she was framed as like the uggo Yeah, and it's like she just she just is wearing glasses. <laughs> okay, so I'm gonna read a couple um facts from the internet again about the movie, and I had two different articles I was gonna look at, but I think I'm just gonna pick this BuzzFeed article from 2016, so it's a little old. Um. Okay so apparently the producers wanted Jesse McCartney to play Viola's brother which I think is very funny because somebody said because of how similar they look and if you look up Jesse McCartney I don't think he looks at all like Amanda Bynes so I'm not quite sure who mm. thought that was the 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 decision that should have been made but thankfully he was not
1: Yeah
0: um apparently when Amanda Bynes was transforming into sebastian she not only was wearing you know a wig fake eyebrows sideburns. she's wearing a muscle suit and four layers of clothing which i find interesting because if you look at the the person who plays sebastian he's not a big bulky guy and so it's like why would you have put her in all of these layers and things like that um a lot of the actors went through soccer training for the movie for a couple months before the role even started just to understand uh, the mechanics of it. And some of them are actually playing in, in the movie. Um, like I already said, you know, Amanda Bynes would visit malls with the director to just see how men interact and how they function in the day-to-day uh, one of the screenwriters one of the ones you mentioned karen mccullough i think is responsible for other rom-coms like lily blonde and 10 things i hate about you
1: oh classics
0: um so i love that um what else do we have bunch of stuff about shakespeare we're gonna skip over that y'all can look that up if you want i'm not the person (laughs) to explain that anyway the the guy who plays coach dinklage so the head coach at the new school that amanda Bynes goes to when she's pretending to be sebastian he actually was a professional soccer player yes i would love for him to tell me that i'm a good girl um don't touch me because he kind of grosses me out with that little earring in his ear but i would probably like for him to yell at me and then tell me I did a good job or whatever it was for sure he uh was a professional soccer player from 1984 to 1999 Hmm. it's interesting um this one cracked me up okay so the scene in the bathroom where Channing Tatum is in there with Amanda Bynes and the guy who plays Malcolm. At one point when Channing Tatum walks in, he takes the towel from behind like that was on his shoulders and slaps the guy Malcolm in the back of the head with the towel.
1: Hilarious.
0: Hilarious. And he actually did that and hit the guy in the eye with it. And it. Oh my God. So I don't know if the take that we see in the movie is the actual one or what, but that squeal that he lets out when he gets slapped with the towel feels so much more authentic now knowing that really cracks me up um a lot of this a lot of the like funny and iconic scenes in the movie weren't actually scripted so one of the scenes is when Channing Tatum is answering his cell phone at one point, and he has like you know the flip phone from the 2000s he like whips it open with such dramatic flair and like throws his head back to answer it that's not in the script he just did it <laughs> which I think is hilarious because imagine if that didn't work you know, like you do this weird, dramatic uh, interpretation of the scene and they cut. Your director's like, okay, don't do that, but do the yeah, scene again.
1: Definitely not what you just did.
0: Yeah. There's a fight scene in the movie where um, a couple of the characters fight in a bathroom and that is actually filmed with the actors and not stunt doubles. So that's all of them doing that fight scene, which I think is cool. And the last little fun tidbit I'll tell you is that when auditioning for this film, Channing Tatum did put a tampon up his nose, but he didn't know that you had to remove the plastic first, so he just shoved the whole thing up his nose, like applicator and everything, which I'm sure made that even more endearing. Um, I do wonder, and I haven't looked this up, it it might be out there somewhere in the internet universe, but I wonder how Amanda Bynes was doing, just mentally, mentally during this movie, because that was really at like the peak of Mm -hmm. her fame. And as we all know, like what has happened with child stars and all the experiences that Amanda Bynes has gone through since then. And just today, I just wonder how she was feeling as an actual teen, because I don't think a lot of those other actors were teenagers.
1: Yeah. Um, One thing I know that I read something that said that, um, the i don't know if it was watching it after or the process of making it but she said that that movie like destroyed her self esteem
0: yeah yeah and i mean and i could honestly see that given what she's having to do in that role and everyone else around her no one else is doing these things and so mm-hmm. and she's also like the top billing on the movie um and again if you're the only teen and you're around all these people who maybe are in their early 20s maybe some are even in their mid-20s it's awkward and I'm sure that would be really devastating especially when you've got all these movie people who know you from the Amanda show and all that and kind of the like outrageous theatrics that you did as a as a child child and they're wanting you to do that now maybe that's not what you want to do anymore so I always did find that interesting of how she felt about that movie because i think the next movie she did if i'm not mistaken might have been hairspray and she wasn't having to do all of that she got to actually sing in the movie and and again i don't know how she felt making that one but just things that i think about now watching it as a 30 year old and you know seeing what amanda Bynes has talked about now and her experiences with her parents and everything so just just things i wonder now watching it but those were really the the fun behind the scenes facts i had for yeah. this gem of a movie.
1: Yeah, I, um, like I said earlier, I really loved Eunice's character. Um, I'm obsessed with Paul. I want him to be like my gay boyfriend. Um,
0: he's also in Sex Life. We mentioned that earlier, but he's in Sex Life as well. He <laughs> plays, Sex Life is a Netflix show for anyone listening. Go ahead and look it up. It's really good, really raunchy. It's very heterosexual. I'll just go ahead and tell you that. But he plays, the husband's friend at the law firm. Remember the scene where.
1: Right.
0: Yeah, uh, right, yeah. Right. Yeah. Paul got right. hot. Paul got hot 20 years. Yeah. yeah. He did. Or 15 years, whatever it is.
1: Yeah. Um, Yeah, I definitely I think the movie holds up as far as like how funny it is. Like, I think Amanda Bynes is just such a good actress and she's so great at like delivering comedy, whether it's by her lines or like physical humor. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, I definitely had a great time watching it. And um, I liked like the the like horniness of some of the scenes. I felt like it was funny, but not like too much. Like it was just yeah, it was very funny. Um, I liked kind of how awkward Channing Tatum's character was. Um mm-hmm. oh my God, was he called again? Duke. Duke, right. Um, I just, I thought it was funny, like how like nervous he was and like the ways that they were able to kind of teach each other things. I did wonder why, like, I think one of the only things that I thought was like a little weird was like, as far as the plot was like, okay, so Amanda Bynes is doing this to prove That she's just as good to be like on the boys' team, right? Because they make it seem like that, you know, it's ridiculous the idea that girls and boys can play soccer together. But a big part of her and Duke's relationship is that he helps her get better at soccer. Like he trains her. Yeah. I'm like, okay, cool. So she's just (laughs) as good, but he does have to make her be her best like she did still and it is not as though like you know there can't be like collaborators what like it's good that like he helped her get better that's great they got to hang out and play soccer more we love that but like interesting and especially because they made gender be such a big part of that discussion where they're just like oh yeah you're good at playing soccer for a girl and then she goes to join this team and Duke's like actually you could you could use some work yeah
0: yeah so it's like oh so then is the message that you can be as good as the boys if you play like a boy. Yeah. Because as someone who has played co-ed soccer and has played on a team with boys, there's not that much difference except for the fact that when the boys fall down, when they get checked in the game, they fucking cry and boo-hoo and make it like a capital offense versus when you're playing not with boys and you get kicked in the face, you just keep on trucking. You don't collapse onto the ground and give a Meryl Streep level performance. Mm -hmm. to then be carted off to collapse you know yeah so yeah I didn't even think about that but that is so true the fact that she's like I'm gonna show you I'm gonna get on the boys team and beat you and it's like you did get on the boys team but you weren't gonna get on the field yeah exactly
1: the coach (laughs) was just like what is your deal like you suck and I'm just like oh damn well when then I'm- what is this saying is it saying <laughs> yeah. that the bar is higher on the boys team is it just saying that the school just has such a good soccer team that like she you know is is in maybe a uh, a more intense like on a more intense yeah. soccer team maybe like the team as a whole is just but I don't, I don't know I, but I, I did wonder that throughout the movie I'm like why yeah you have to teach her to like be better
0: was the fact that you were being forced to wear 14 layers of clothing being detrimental yeah. to your soccer performance? Because that would really mess me up if like you're playing in shorts and a t-shirt and all of a sudden you're wearing, she's wearing like a, a hoodie with a hood, uh-huh. like a big old thick hoodie and those rip away sweatpants. Yeah, and she's probably
1: and got like three t-shirts on underneath.
0: Yeah, and it's like, I I'm, I i am don't think that these people would have known that you are not who you say you are if you wore a pair of shorts yeah soccer shorts are the same length for gender it doesn't matter they don't it's not like volleyball you know oh no those are lady legs I could yeah that's a lady's ankle if I've ever seen one (laughs) yeah like (laughs) no so strange that's such a good point though I did not even think about that I'm gonna definitely think about that next time I watch it
1: (laughs) um but yeah definitely two movies that make us ask um what is a man yeah why is it you know
0: (laughs) what's in a man (laughs) (laughs) I guess another man or in this case a girl I don't know
1: yeah sometimes it's like a um nesting doll of slippery floppy
0: men yeah and sometimes it's Amanda Bynes yeah with taped on eyebrows literally a piece of scotch tape they stuck hair to that they just kept sticking to her eyebrows
1: made it really clear when she peels it off on the field like that's a way to woo Channing Tatum be like just kidding I'm that girl from before that you kissed and the grossest thing I've ever heard of a kissing booth um and let me just peel off these eyebrows to show my barely hanging on eyebrows from 2004.
0: And how would that have been a sexy scene after you've just played an hour of soccer and she like takes her hair out of the out of the wig with no cap on by the way so there's no
1: no fucking way
0: then no fucking way she casually takes this wig off to have her hair not sweaty not matted at all nothing yeah just movie magic i guess movie magic movie magic
1: yeah yeah (laughs) so next week um, We are going to watch two or we're going to talk about two movies um, that both teach us in different ways that it's all connected. <laughs> um, first, we have one of actually my favorite rom coms from my youth a lot of sentimental value very curious what it's going to feel like to rewatch it because it's been a minute and then we are also going to watch a newer film sci-fi horror will be a classic nope so we are going to dive into both of those films next week um yeah and that was week two of I'll show you mine bye <laughs>